0: Before we get into today's episode, we want to tell you about the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. This podcast will get you ready for the NFL draft, as Mina is joined by her friends each episode to talk about the latest NFL storylines. That's the Mina Kime Show featuring her dog, Lenny. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of In the Crease. It's the podcast that we know you love. With Emily Kaplan, I am Linda Cohn. Emily, uh, let's talk about these individual races. That's right. You know the names of these trophies. We're talking the heart. My favorite is the Vezina. The Art Ross, that kind of is an easy one uh, because it's just whoever wins the most has the most points. But the Norris is
0: another intriguing battle. So where do you want to start, Emily? Linda, I'm so excited to talk about this with you, firstly, because I don't know if there's ever been a year where it's just so competitive. All we hear about is offense going up. And you literally have, we'll start with the hearts. It's MVP and it's probably the most difficult one for me there's like eight guys you could make a case for because there's like eight guys doing things that are historic and on career paces. I've been stumping my big thing in the hill I would die on is I just think that voters are unoriginal with it. Often for the heart, we just pick the four with the most eye-popping numbers. This year it's hard because there's so many forwards with eye-popping numbers. I mean, you have Austin Matthews who's been on this absolute tear. He is the catalyst for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's in my top five. But like, how do you discount Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and what they're doing? But when I look at it, I'm like, why don't we think a little more originally? And like, who's really the MVP? And like, you can look at the definition of the word, Roman Yossi, what he is doing on his team, carrying them offensively. There's no other defenseman who has scored 100 points without having a 100 point score on his team. It's just never happened. Um while still playing those tough defensive minutes why is he not on the hard ballot and then Igor Shosturkin is the other guy where I'm having a hard time leaving him off because if it's not for Igor Shosturkin and his ridiculous underlying statistics the Rangers aren't even sniffing the playoffs. so I don't even know where to begin I guess to begin is who are the guys that are in your mix Well, I think you named a lot of them Uh, and we have to define
1: MVP, most valuable player. And you pointed it out perfectly. I mean, where would the teams be without these particular guys? Uh, When you first and foremost, when I think of the heart, yeah, I think of Austin Matthews first, but then you think, wait a minute, he plays with a guy named Mitchell Marner, Marner in the shadow of Austin Matthews, amazing season. I've run out of words to describe what Austin Matthews is and means to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but where would Austin Matthews be without Mitch Marner? Um, so, I mean, they might cancel each other out, like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And when I mean that, with all due respect to those amazing players, um, they split the votes, right? I, I, you know, you could make a case that would happen. I love your point about Roman Yossi. I has been, I've been on his bandwagon, not only for the Norris, but trying to stress to everyone that gives a you-know-what about what matters in this race and in hockey is the fact what a player means. And, I mean, he touches the puck all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, he's a difference maker. We both heard his head coach. I know I've had John Hines talk about what Roman Yossi has meant to this team. And I know they're just in a wild card spot. And you got to wonder, Emily, how much is that taken into consideration, right? Think about it for a second, right? Oh, yeah, Roman Yossi. Yeah, he is valuable to the National Predators. But you know what? They're not getting out of a wildcard position. I think it would be better to vote for someone
0: who's actually in the top three spots of their division. Do you think that comes into play? Yeah. You know, I love this podcast it's because I can speak however I want. When I'm on Around the Horn, I can't use words like narrative. I'm going to use the word narrative like 10 times now just out of the <laughs> <caparsis. laughs> that narrative is definitely on people's minds. The other narrative that's on people's minds, I'm telling you, it's voter fatigue. And I think that's the reason that you don't see Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the top of people's brains because they're just sick of voting for them, besides the fact that they do split it. But you're right. I do think that there is something where it's like, oh, this guy needs to carry his team to unprecedented success. Whereas when we look at the National Predators, let's be honest, before the season, no one expected anything of them. This is a team that was like, starving off a rebuild trying Correct. to figure out their way has totally declined since they made that Stanley Cup final against the Pittsburgh Penguins and the fact that they're sniffing the playoffs at all to me is remarkable just kind of like the Rangers
1: yeah and exactly and so when you think I mean it's funny that you brought that up because I when you when I think of another team that not many thought were going to be in the position they're in now they haven't and I'm going to mention the team in a second Emily but they haven't locked up anything yet, but they're going to lock it up unless they totally on their own collapse. And I'm talking about the L.A. Kings and no one expected the L.A. Kings. And then we just think, OK, why is the reason? Is there one player on the Kings? No, it's a whole team effort. And I'm not going away from our original conversation. But I'm telling you, that's why the case for Roman Yossi means a lot, because. He has done so much for that team. There is no way they'd be in any kind of playoff position. And they've been one of the most consistent teams all season long. But then when you're talking about, and I don't, he's putting up the numbers. And you can make a big case that in the conversation for Hart Trophy, um, he's not going to win it, but should be Kirill Kaprizov.
0: Where would the Minnesota Wild be without the thrill? He's in my mix. He's 100% in my mix. And I'm so excited because this weekend on ABC, we have the Blues versus the Wild, So we'll get to see him up close. And there has been no player that's transformed his franchise in the way that Kirill Kaprizov has, potentially since Alex Ovechkin, honestly. Like, that's the type of shift that this guy brings with just the culture, the excitement. He made them single-handedly a fun team to watch. All people talked about with the wild was that they were boring, boring, boring. The freeze up comes and the narrative eat that Tony Reale totally shifted. Um, so he's t- completely in my top mix, especially because of the points that he's been putting up.
1: The guy you brought up earlier. And uh, one of, of course, a favorite of both of ours is Igor Shosturkin. And his name has been, uh, his ears are ringing constantly uh, because he has been brought up in this Hart Trophy conversation a lot, uh, well-deserved. And yes, in, to put in the, where would the Rangers be without Igor Shostakovich? And this is, this is the honest truth. Do I think he's going to win the Hart Trophy? No. Do I think he deserves to win it? Yes, I do. But I don't think he's going to win it. And especially, and again, remember when I brought up the whole fact about the narrative and you said, yeah, let's bring up the narrative exactly? Is the narrative like, well, we gave Adam Fox out of nowhere the Norris Trophy a year ago. So are we going to be too kind to the New York Rangers? And they'll be kind of like, oh, because they're the New York Rangers, they get everything. And then give Shusterkin the heart. No, we're going to just give him the
0: Vezina. That's the thinking. That's the narrative that's going to happen. Wrong Oh, my God. Narrative, narrative, narrative. It feels so good to say, doesn't it? I'll tell you the narrative around Adam Fox and why he won. And this could be our transition into the Norris potentially. Firstly, the reason I don't think Igor Shosturkin is going to win, and I think the reason that voters typically are shy of uh, voting for goalies is just the games played, right? It's just he doesn't have that impact. I would argue that he does have that impact. And he, he'll probably make my top five. Um, the reason that Adam Fox won the Norris last year, though, is because the narrative goes, and I hear this from players all the time who just complain about it because they hate it. It's what defenseman has the most eye-popping offensive numbers, and let's just give the award to him. And you start to hear guys say, like, why isn't there a defensive defensive award? Or why aren't we, uh, you know, rewarding guys like Jacob Slavin, Ryan McDonough, who play those tough minutes and and play so well defensively, but just don't put up those numbers. Jacob Truba. Jacob Truba would be another guy that's having a remarkable season. Totally. This year, it really feels like a, a two-horse race. It began the year, it was either going to be Victor Hedman or Kale McCarr. Right now, it's either Kale McCarr or Roman Yossi. Um, and, and I don't think you could go wrong with either
1: of them. I think these voters are going to pick Kale McCarr. They're going to look at that team. They're going to look at those eye-popping numbers. See, I look at the fact that he's got a Devon Taves there this year. That's really helped him. Yeah, Kale McCarr, I get it. He's a superstar. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you know what? Having Devontae's there, okay, as well, kind of helps the cause. But I feel the voters are going to go with Kale McCarr, even though I would vote for Roman Yossi for the Norris. So I never got your pick yet. We both would pick uh, Shusterkin in our top five of heart. But who do you think was go- is going to win the heart? I know we have a couple of weeks left to go in the regular season. But who do you
0: think voters are going to Linda, pick? not that much time. The regular season is dwindling down way faster than I wanted to. I feel like I'm ready for the playoffs, but I'm not ready. Pen to ballot right now. We're pretending that we actually do fill this thing out with pen. Actually, they're emailed to Ernst & Young. We do it very officially at the PHWA. Um, and Ernst & Young tabulates it. I think it's Austin Matthews. I think it could be Roman Yossi, though. I think I keep billing him in my head as the case for it. And maybe I'm just trying to be original. Maybe I'm just trying to be creative. Um, one of those two guys. And I do think Connor McDavid does make my top five. Because when you talk oh, about yeah. consistency, Linda, he's been of consistent course. all year round.
1: Of course he does. Uh, I, I think Austin Matthews is going to win the heart. Um, you know, I brought up my narrative. Point the, Toronto boy. Yeah. I brought up my point about Mitch Marner, you know, being right there. his Robin to Batman is Austin Matthews. And when you think about terrific tandems, we always, for good reason, put and David and Leon Drysaddle up at the top. Don't sleep ever on Matthews and Marner. Um, they're going to be fun to watch and all that Vezina
0: uh you know wait one last guy we didn't mention in the heart mix oh. just to show how wide this field is Johnny Gaudreau I feel like we haven't talked about the flames much but no question what has he got what has he got a thousand assists I mean the guy is amazing he's got like I should look that up that's great there to be a lot of uncertainty about him right he's a UFA this summer does he stay does he go all we talk about that team is the defensive structure that Daryl Sutter put in and Jacob Markstrom being awesome but honestly johnny hockey's been pretty awesome too oh that's a great pick that
1: he he won't win but that's a great pick he's putting up the great numbers but i just feel you know austin matthews is definitely trending uh skyward and it's not going to matter as we all know what the guy does in the playoffs i really hope for the toronto fan base and for austin matthews and those boys there that they can get through the first round and win a first round but if 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 the playoff started today, as we, <laughs> which we hate that stupidity, I, th- I think they would be matching up with a two-time defending champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, which uh, nobody wants that.
0: By the way, can we pause for a second on the Lightning? Because these is our podcast. We can talk about whatever we want, Linda.
1: Are you worried about
0: them? Because the last couple weeks, the Lightning look like themselves. And I'm starting to hear other people around the league saying, I think they've hit a wall. I don't know if they have it in them. My take is, This is the type of team that just needs to get in the playoffs and they know how to ramp it up and switch that gear and be fine. But you haven't seen that consistently from them the last couple of weeks. And they're going to need to play good for like a three, four game stretch before they get to the playoffs. because it's hard just to go from zero to 60. It's hard to worry
1: about a team that's won two straight Stanley Cups because they have so much experience of adversity. And it's also tough to worry about them and show concern because they still have the best goalie in the National Hockey League and Andre Vasilevsky. So I am not worried about them. But uh, that being said, I would not be shocked if they lost in the first round because of this tough competition that they're going to face in that first round because, you know, I see them probably finishing, um, you know, if most likely in third place in that Atlantic division. That would be the best case. A uh, Worst case would be dropped to the first wild card. I mean, um, you know, team that you covered recently, the Washington Capitals, really, to your point, playing well at the right time. Uh, they're streaking now. They're playing very well. They're slowly climbing up a little bit. There are other teams in their reach. Even the Pittsburgh Penguins are in their reach uh, in the Metro Division, uh, which would be interesting. Um,
0: everyone is. I'm going to pause up. on the caps real quick and then we'll get back to awards. I had them last week against the Penguins. Huge road win for them. The way they've been playing lately, the biggest issue with the Capitals is going to be their goaltending. We know management, Feels a little shaky about having these two young goaltenders. but Brian McClellan told me, their GM, he's like, look, before the trade deadline, I looked at what was out there and I felt like there was no significant upgrades. There was one Mark andre Fleury, but he didn't want to go there. And so they're going to have to ride it out with this group.
1: Emily, to your point about the goalies, since the trading deadline came and went, Sam Sonoff and Vanacek have been playing very well. And I think that has a lot to do with... The mental aspect, okay, they're going with us. They communicated they're going with us
0: and they've been playing better. It definitely has shown. Better, better for sure. That game against Penguins, I will say, Samsonov had like a couple soft goals, but the reason they kept him in and the reason that they, um, you know, didn't pull him is because he answered the bell when they needed to. Right. And that's the important thing. Um, but what a big win against the Penguins, just in the sense that it showed that like, Everyone is writing the Washington Capitals offense dead, but I saw a rejuvenated Ovi. I interviewed him after the game; he scored in that game. Linda, you've interviewed Ovi how many times? What yeah. is he the king of? A uh, few words. He he almost he was almost rambling as we went off there. We had two minutes before we get off the air on ABC, and he was talking so much. Our producer was like kind of freaking out, like Obie talking so much. I was like, I have no idea, but that's how happy he was, and that's what a good mood. And the other thing in that game, it was just the quintessential. This is why Tom Wilson is awesome game because. He's getting to everyone's oh, faces. He's mixing it up, and then he can show that offensive talent um, and score the game winner. Uh, the other thing is, uh, listen,
1: I I know you might you might not agree with me, but can you imagine? And it, it could be a very likely first round matchup for the Caps if they face the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm telling you, Caesar's sports book is going to be in a quandary because I <laughs> bet you there'll be plenty of people who put their money on the Caps. And, they'll be, and it wouldn't be surprising. I wouldn't be surprised, really. I know it sounds crazy, but if the Caps keep going into this postseason on this wonderful streak that they're on, and Carolina's been playing okay, you know, they had a big win against the Rangers, I get it, uh, but
0: that's going to be a tough matchup for the Hurricanes if they face the Caps. I'm just saying. Honestly, Linda, I feel like this is going to be the wildest first round ever. Like, there's so many great teams that have to play great teams in the first round that we are going to see a team like Carolina or Florida or Tampa Bay lose in the first round. It's just the math says it.
1: I really hope it's not Florida because I don't think for the fan base and the great people that work there and those amazing players, I think they're going to get over the hump. I really do believe in the Panthers. And my little dark horse sleeper player, that is going to go far in the postseason and do well and stun us is going to be young Spencer Knight. I don't mm. know why I have this gut feeling, you know, before the season start, I th- started, I thought he was going to be the man. I thought he was going to win the Calder. I thought he was the guy. Obviously it's been slow for him, but he, little by little, I like what I'm seeing from him. I really think he's coming along and I think his team is believing in him now. And I, 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 I just think, that he could be, uh, he could be, he could pull over, you know, maybe
0: a little Patrick Wan. Jordan thing. Bennington, kind of like just that rookie goes on that run. Sure. I like that, Linda, because I feel like they're in position now where they can start Sergey Bobrovsky to start the series. And once he has one blip, you turn to Spencer and never go back. Exactly. Okay, well, you you mentioned the Calder, so we should go back to our awards conversation. Who do you have right now in the Calder race?
1: Yeah, I know everyone's on, um, you know, most cider for a long time. I, was, I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with Ray Ferraro and I'm like, hey, you know, I, I was like mentioning a couple other guys. Go- oh, I was mentioning like my guy. I love Tanner Janot of Nashville. Right. I, I go, Ray, he does it all. He hits, he scores, you know, he's great. He's young. He's this, he's that. I, I was just all of Tanner Janot. I had like the stats there. I go, Ray, he might be a dark horse here. People are realizing what this kid has meant to the Predators. He's like, oh, no, I, I get it, Linda. But, you know, they're going to give it a Moe Sider. You know, he's like a no brainer. Well, little by little, our guy, little, our little our little Trevor Zegras, little by little, right, is doing his thing. But, you know, he's on the outside looking in. But to answer your question, I think they're going to go with Moe Sider because he's, he's a defenseman. It's a harder position. He plays a hell of a lot more minutes than a forward like a Tanner Janot. And so that's where they're going to lean on. So my pick is the masses pick, and that is Detroit's Most Sider.
0: I have to say the Most Sider and Lucas Raymond arrival was the best thing that could happen to Detroit. And as I record this, I'm in Raleigh. I'll be between the benches on Thursday night, Red Wings at the Canes. I'm excited to see these two kids up close, but I talked to Dylan Larkin this morning and he was just saying how the beginning of the year, there was just this energy with fans back and the buzz and all of the fans were gravitating toward these two players. And it was so amazing for him to see. And he could not speak highly enough of these players. Like Lucas Raymond is just a freaking competitive kid. Um, he was talking about this game against the Oilers and he's like, we're down and out. And there's Lucas Raymond taking checks, giving checks, being physical, not afraid of it. And like, That's such a great sign for the Red Wings, because they're stuck in this abyss right now, where they're one of the few teams that can get away with this, where you have a GM who just won't even say what the time frame is for the rebuild, because it's Stevie White, he can, and you don't know when the end is in sight, but at least you have these two players to build around, and if we go back to the theme of this episode, narrative, that's the narrative (laughs) that I think voters will latch onto, and I I agree with you, I think most Sider um, does take it but it's a there's a lot of candidates this year it's, it's a tough year for calder and it's not kind of the runaway like free love was last year uh, absolutely all right you know you mentioned the teams
1: and these great races and you know while we were talking about the eastern conference and playoff positioning and matchups, because not much is going to change there and nothing was going to change there for the last two months western conference continues to be uh every night a thrill a minute Teams don't want to be counted out. I mean, teams like Winnipeg and Vancouver are still piling up points. Thing is, they're so far behind. I can't see them catching any of these teams. Although Dallas, I'm not a big believer in Dallas. Yet Every time I say that, after they lose to like a New Jersey Devils, then they come up with a big win that I didn't think they were going to get. They find ways to win. A guy that's having an amazing season, by the way, Jason Robertson, a guy that came on with us early in the podcast, just a delight, young star. Um, but you know, they're in playoff position, but they're once again, Vegas on the outside looking in, um, you know, they're three points out of a playoff berth, whether it's wild card or third place in the Pacific. Uh, I still am going to stay true to what I said. I think the golden Knights are going to make the playoffs. Mark stone came back, uh, last night. It's going to take a little bit for him to get his legs back and, you know, all of it to come back, but it will. Patcheretti's back with them. So I think they're going to find a way to get in. Um, and I think, you know, I, if you're going to say, hey, who's going to be out of it? If Vegas is going in, who's out? I just think I don't have any faith in Dallas to to, to stay in the mix. I, 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 You know, I'm a little biased with L.A. I want the Kings to make it because I think I'll be covering some of the playoff games. But And also, they, I just like what they do and the job Todd McClellan. We didn't even talk about Coach of the Year. Todd McClellan should be up there, uh, you know, as a finalist or coach of the year. As... How many injuries they've had. Yeah, That's it. I mean, I, I was never a big believer in that guy, but he proved to me that he knows what he's doing. And, of course, Daryl Sutter with Calgary uh, is, a, is just another story. Bednar in Colorado. And that's the other thing, the narrative. Let's continue with that. Uh, you know, how is it when we compare to other sports, because we both cover other sports, you know, it, it, coaches don't get credit when they have star players, Right. So would Jared Bednar get the credit he deserves because Colorado has all of those superstar players, uh, you know, but the way they're running away with it. And how about Andrew Burnett? Comes in, he would be, get my vote if I had a vote. Comes in for Quenville with all of that, you know, chaos, as we know, the beginning of the year. Takes over a team. Yes, he was in the organization, but the, the Florida Panthers
0: are competing with Colorado for the president's trophy. Total No, Andrew Burnett, to me, as a rookie head coach coming in. And let's not forget, it's a Hall of Famer he took over for in a surprise yeah. resignation when the team was undefeated at the time. How easy is it for everything to unravel when you, you put in a guy like that? And At first, I think he was just kind of babysitter. Let's figure it out. But he's put right. a stamp on that team, and he has helped them get better, um, which to me is a stamp of a great coach. Um, and then Donnie Granato, like we just talked about the Sabres briefly. We're not going to talk about them very much. The way he has that team playing so hard, the Sabres, at the end of the year, when there's nothing to play for but pride, um, again, won't win. Um, but that is great coaching, and that deserves to be recognized.
1: Yeah, they have such a future. And again, uh, uh, you know, as, we, as we're as we recording this, you know, this week Owen Power made his debut, excited for him.
0: you know. By the way, so- Linda, he was going to come on the podcast today. He had to finish up some homework. It's his off day. He's still taking classes at Michigan.
1: I was just going to make mention of like his big, you know, when he signed the contract for Buffalo and all that, he decided to go with a Clark Kent look, you know, he had the cute glasses. I loved it. It was just, it is a guy that doesn't care about anything except like, hey, I'm all in power. If I want to wear my cool glasses, I'm going to wear them. I don't care what I look like. I thought it was super amazing. And I just loved, I loved after the win in the debut and how the team welcomed him and gave him their, the sword or whatever the hell they have. They pass around there after a win in the locker room. But uh, I'm excited for the future of the Sabres and good call with Granado, Coach Granato. Um, I just, I love what they're doing. I love Alex Tuck. I love Peyton Krebs. Let me tell you something. This deal looking better and better and better and better and will continue to look better that they made Losing Jack Eichel to Vegas and bringing all that back because, boy, have those two, just naming those two,
0: made themselves feel right at home in Buffalo. I'm excited for the Sabres fan. I am, too. I mean, we say this, of course, as they hit an NHL record of missing the playoffs for 11 straight years. Um, But, you know, when you talk about who won the trade, when you talk in NHL circles, NHL executives always say, well, Vegas got the better player and therefore they won the trade. But let's think about what both teams needed. Vegas needed to win now, and that's why they made this trade. Yes. Jack has been great, and, and Jack has not disappointed, I find. He has,
1: and looking better and better.
0: Yes. Agree. He's not going to be the reason they missed the playoffs, but no. Vegas Golden Knights are holding on to their playoffs lives. Meanwhile, Buffalo has two players who they're super excited about the future. Alex Chuck has already arrived. He looks like the future captain. He's a veteran who wants to be there. And then you got Peyton Krebs with all the potential in the world. Like so good. Kevin Adams did okay, given how handcuffed he was. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Well, like everybody, we'll continue to watch these races. They're going to be crazy. Um, and we're excited the way, and the only thing that could be better for the National Hockey League is if the Eastern Conference races were just as exciting. But that is set. We just don't know what the matchups are. The Western Conference still up in the air. And the President's Trophy race, Is going to be a great one because those two, Colorado and Florida, as I mentioned before, neck and neck. uh, And who knows if winning the President's Trophy is actually a good thing. That'll be for another podcast at another time uh, for you NHL historians. You know the numbers. You know what I'm talking about.
0: Anyway. If you know, you know,
1: Linda said. (laughs) That's right. You know, you know, you know what it is. By the way, can I tell you what I've been binge watching now? Uh, Because you know how I love to talk, you know, you know how I talk about TV shows and I'm all in. When I'm in, I don't stop watching it. Okay, like if I decide I'm going to watch this show, well, I'm watching every season until they stop making them. So finally, because you know, you're, I'm going to guess its You're going to guess it as soon as I say this. Since I was such a big fan back in the day of Breaking Bad, I finally got on board with Better Call Saul, and I am so into it. I am only in season three, and I know they just put out a new season. Um, I love him so much. I think it's so real, so well-written, so good. Love it. I'm binge watching that. It's like, I don't want to watch
0: anything else. I want to get through Better Call Saul. I love that. I'm going to make an unsolicited recommendation for you, Linda. Yes. I bought a new iPad because I'm traveling so much so that I could not be that dweeb who's watching things on their tiny little phone with like- That's you me. Know. That's yeah, me. Exactly. That's <laughs> usually me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to own it. I travel so much. Treat myself. I got this iPad. I watched. All two seasons, given there are only six episodes and like 20 minutes each. God love a British show called Starstruck. It's on HBO Max. It is this New Zealand comedian slash actor she stars in it, Rose Matafeo. She uh, she wrote it. And Linda, the concept is one night out in London. It's New Year's Eve. She's at the club. She goes home with a dude. She wakes up the next morning. He's a famous movie star. It is a classic rom-com, but so originally written and so refreshing. And she's so charismatic and funny. Um, I just ripped through it. So that's what I've been watching. It's also- What's it called? It's called Starstruck on HBO Max. You will okay. love it. It's just a feel good. It's great.
1: I love that you gave me a show to watch on HBO Max because I'm paying for I don't know what. I'm never on HBO Max since Curb Your Enthusiasm ended. I'm like, what the hell do I watch on HBO Max? Am I, should I
0: end it? Um, and then the other show I've been watching, Linda, Atlanta. Donald Glover is a creative genius. These are my my theme. is the kind of creative original is shows. Is that Danny Glover's son? No. Okay. Is it? I don't think Donald Glover's Danny Glover's son. He's Childish Gambino is his other uh, alter ego as the rapper, but... This show, it took like a super long hiatus, maybe two years. It's so high production quality, high, I don't know, I'm thinking about everything every time. And it's just, it's an awesome show. And they go to Europe this season. So Atlanta is my other one. That one's on All right, I think
1: we're on different wavelengths, but I appreciate your recommendations. (laughs) My other one that I'm finishing up because it's the final season is This Is Us. I know it's Mm. corny, but it makes me cry. And I have to be in a mood. We are
0: on different wavelengths, Linda, confirmed.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just am into it. And it's, i finishing it up. It's the final season and uh, all that. But yeah, that just shows, well, that's kind of fun that we're on different wavelengths. But I always like sharing my shows. With you people.
0: like Starstruck though.
1: I think I would like that. Because you know what? I used to love um, a similar thing where the, the main character is a woman. Remember Fleabag? She did two seasons. I love Fleabag.
0: Get the same vibes, it's a little less depressing than Fleabag, though. Fleabag oh, yeah. had like that kind of depressing undertone, but she was a genius. Phoebe uh, Wallace Bridges, yeah, I believe is her name. Where'd she go? I loved her. If you like Fleabag,
1: you'll love Starstruck. Okay, good, that's good. And of course, I watched all of Mrs. Mazel, which I watched. Amazing. I, read I had a
0: comeback season three.
1: Yes, I watched the latest season, it was great. I love the guy that he plays the father, her father. Uh he's the actor that also played Monk. Remember that show Monk? Okay. I, do. I forgot his name. I love him. He's the father. Tony. Tony something. Uh, yeah, he looks he's a Tony. He's for sure a Tony. Oh, he's so funny. He's so great. Anyway. Can we do a podcast on just our TV
0: shows that we love? Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> Besides the NHL, the best TV show there is. No so it's just hockey. Well said. Yes, unpredictable, there you go.